Yeah, I mean, it's night and day difference, you know, from when we started to where we are now. Um, I feel like the offense is really, you know, kind of gelled together. You know, we have a new quarterback, Toddy's coming in. He's, he's playing really well. You know, he's making a lot of big plays for us. But, you know, just up front, they're a lot more physical. You know, we'll be able to, you know, run the ball a lot better. And it's just it's just a night and day difference, you know. We, we have one of the best D-lines in the conference. So, you know, going against those guys every day, it's just been improving our offensive line and, and making sure that, you know, we can run the football because that's an emphasis that we wanted to do because, you know, we struggled running the football last year, but um, this year, you know, that's that's been a big emphasis and that's something that we've uh, succeeded is running the football and, you know, getting, getting movement up front because ultimately it starts at the line of scrimmage. What's up, guys? We're back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael. And we are talking a little bit of CSU football today. Uh, started to get into this on the last episode, played some audio from Steve Adazio, just kind of talking about the progress that this team had made so far. Uh, we're leading into this podcast, obviously, with audio from tight end Trey McBride. And, you know, as he explained, it's night and day from last year. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they, they got 15 uninterrupted practices, which both him and Scott Patchen acknowledged as crucial for this team's success, I mean, I think inside that locker room, the expectations are pretty high for what this team could possibly accomplish. Probably higher than, you know, even the fan base, which I'm not sure that's always the case. I mean, guys that are competitors, they're always going to, you know, want to win. But, you know, sometimes there's situations where you just know what kind of team you're on. Um, but they, these guys, they're really, at least, you know, based on what they're saying and based on, you know, some of the things I've heard, they, they really bought in and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what Adazio can do in his second year. It's going to be a pretty difficult schedule. I mean, it's not going to do him any favors. You don't have to play Colorado this year, but you got to go on the road and play Toledo. You got to go on the road and play Iowa. Those are both really tough games. Uh, the Rams will be underdogs in both of those. And Vanderbilt, I mean, that's obviously a winnable game for an SEC opponent, but it's still an SEC opponent. Even in Fort Collins, it's not a gimme. One of the things that jumped out to me, though, is is just the consistent glowing recommendations that Todd Santeo is getting from his teammates. And I've said this before, you know, you kind of have to take all of this stuff with a grain of salt when it comes to spring ball, when it comes to fall camp, it's best just to manage your expectations. I mean, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you hype somebody up too much. I mean, I've talked about how, you know, hyperbole or, you know, how some of the comparisons from the coaches maybe almost do more harm than good. For instance, when, John Budmeyer compared Todd Santeo to Russell Wilson or when they compared um, Ajon Vivens to Alvin Kamara. It just at that point, you're kind of setting yourself up to get memed at that point. And I think that's just, you know, more harmful than good. But the point is, is that they have characteristics that are obviously very impressive athletically, but they're, they're getting hyped up by their teammates based on, you know, how they're kind of leading too. so. I'm intrigued. I'm going to play some audio from Trey McBride kind of talking about uh, Todd Santeo, what he brings to the table. Um, Kelly Lyle asked him, you know, point blank, is it safe to say that he's a better thrower of the football than people give him credit for? And, and Trey agreed to that. So I'm going to play that audio. Uh, before we jump into all of this, I'm also going to talk about the CSU schedule and the, the uniforms because we got that announcement. But before we jump into all of that, I want to shout out the friends over at Chevalier Mortgage. You know, sure, you're probably hearing how great mortgage rates are right now, but Mike and Virginia, they're not just your typical mortgage company. Yeah, they've got phenomenal rates, but what really makes them different is Mike is a certified financial planner. 
He looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small family-owned company, so you'll always feel like a person, not a number. Definitely gotta love that. And right now, you can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, you're gonna get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Mike and Virginia, they're gonna work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choosing when you do. Or you can always give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472. Or one last time, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, 1910631. Trey, is it fair to say he's a better passer than people give him credit for? I mean, last year, everybody just knocked that this guy can't throw the ball. He's terrible. Yeah, you're saying he's throwing the ball pretty well. Is he quite yeah, a bit better than what we've seen? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a lot of people, you know, they see the plays that Todd would go in, you know, when we're down, we're down in game. You know, there's a lot, there's really not much to play for when we're down that bad. And, you know, the, a lot of the guys, sometimes the starters weren't even in and Todd's in there throwing to, to guys that have never played before. Guys, he's throwing it where they need it, but he's just not, guys weren't catching the ball that were thrown to him. I mean, he's He's an unbelievable player. He's a guy that I, I'm I'm excited to play for, and and some about him is he he really is a good passer. He throws a really good ball. He's really smart. He understands the game, and I'm and I'm just I'm thrilled that he's our quarterback, and I'm I'm behind him 100 percent because I'm confident in his ability. I mean, I saw it all spring, and uh, you know he's gonna he's gonna take us to where we want to go. Along those lines, behind him though, you've got a guy that's Jonah is probably it sounds like is the number two. He's a guy that's basically a walk-on, still trying to kind of find himself. How confident are you he could take over and run this team if something were to happen to Todd over the summer or into the fall? Yeah, so actually the last couple of days, Jonah has been running um, with the uh, ones because of some issues. But uh, Todd, I mean, Jonah's been playing well too. You know, he's a guy who I'm confident when he throws the ball really well. I mean, obviously he's still got some learning to do. There's still some things that he can improve on, some mental part of the aspects, but um, ultimately, like I'm confident in both those guys. If they go back there and play, um, you know, I told coach I'm ready for a wildcat package, you know, if Todd goes down. So <laughs> I'm always ready for that. But uh, no, but honestly, I, I'm, I'm happy with either one of those guys. They're, they're both great players and, and I'm confident in both their abilities. All right. So that was obviously Trey McBride answering Kelly Lyle's questions on the quarterback situation here at Colorado State. Pretty good recommendation for Todd Santeo as QB1 from McBride, you know, I think a lot of what he said is probably fair. I mean, those are talking points that I brought up before. It wasn't like it's an easy situation going in cold. I just, I hate that, man. I know I'm not a football coach, but I just think it's so detrimental to your offense. I think it puts you in such a wonky rhythm. I think it becomes hard for quarterbacks to develop timing. And I think just going back and forth between him and Patrick O'Brien did a whole lot more harm then it did good. And that's just my opinion. Um, I mean, personally, I think Patrick O'Brien is a better thrower of the football. I think most CSU fans would agree with that as well. Um, but I do think that we have to give Todd Santeo much more of a chance than he's been given so far, given the weird circumstances of last season, uh, given his potential injury situation last season. You know, I don't want to beat a dead horse here because this is something I've talked about plenty of times already on previous podcasts. I just think that it was such a weird year last year. 
And it's already hard enough to transfer in and take over a new offense and to have to do it under the weird circumstances that Santeo did. I just, I, I don't think he was really set up for success. Neither was Patrick O'Brien, to be quite honest. Like I said, going back and forth, I just, I don't think that was what was best for the offense. I don't think personally, and I don't have this on record from him or anything. This is just my take on, on how this all played out last year. I don't think Steve Adazio ever really believed in Patrick O'Brien as a leader of the football team. I don't really think it was about football abilities. He did mention turnovers and, you know, putting them in situations where they were in third and long too frequently. But I just, it it seemed pretty clear that they didn't mesh from the start. And, you know, just having a working relationship with your starting quarterback and the head coach, that's so important. And from that regard, I'm really, I guess, excited to see how Centeno is able to come in this year, given that he has the support of Steve Adazio. He has the backing of offensive coordinator John Budmeyer. And quite frankly, there's just not a whole lot of depth behind him. So I think it's a a situation where they're going to sink or swim based on the quarterback. And that's why I brought up on the last podcast, you know, it's probably wise of CSU to pursue the transfer market and see if they can get a veteran in here. I think it's a difficult situation trying to get somebody to come in if, um, you know, you're just going to point blank say Centeno is QB1. I mean, you just, why transfer if you're not going to start, but... If you can get somebody else in here, I think that would be important just from a depth perspective, even if he is the backup, just because if Santeo goes down, man, I'd, and, and this isn't me taking shots at O'Brien or anything, because it's not uh, Jonah O'Brien, not Patrick O'Brien, because we haven't really seen him play. It's just, I don't know, former walk-on, that would make me really, really nervous, as would having to rely on you know Chance Harris or Luke McAllister, and those are both guys that I'm very, very intrigued by, and guys that I think have the potential to have really good careers, but they're just not going to be ready yet. They won't be. And honestly, you know, God forbid it, but a situation where if, if CSU were to lose, you know, Santeo for a significant time or the season or something like that, I, I just think that would be a horrible situation to have to throw either of those young freshmen in. And I, I don't think it would be good for their career. I mean, there's no substitute for live game reps. So at that point, I mean, it's probably good just to get a feel for the defense and what it's like to be out there and stuff. But you can really wreck your confidence if you get, you know, thrown into the fire and just, you know, completely crumble under the pressure. So I just I think it's important that they add depth. It, it's encouraging to me that McBride and the receivers and the offensive coordinators and the coaches are all saying the right things about Santeo. But as I've you know mentioned repeatedly, I just I don't think anybody's going to publicly criticize the quarterback, even if he deserved it. Your locker room's pretty broken if that's happening. And because of that, it's it's really just a wait and see game. And I know that sucks. And I know that's a bummer. That's not like a, you know, a really controversial state or it's not a bold statement or a hot take or anything like that. You know, let's just wait and see how it plays out. But I think it's the logical situation for CSU fans, given that there is a lot of talent. There's reason to be optimistic. Um, there's also reason to be slightly concerned about the quarterback position, but I don't think it's, you know, a situation where the sky is falling, where everybody needs to panic. Certainly not a situation where they need to tweet nasty things, you know, as in tail. That's never the move guys. That's never the move. Even if you're frustrated, you want to tweet, you know, how bad the offense is doing. That's fine. You don't need to tag players. If you do that on my tweets, I'm going to block you like straight up. It's just, it's lame and it's unnecessary. It's petty. Like you're, grown individuals for the most part. I got some teens that follow me as well, but they're not the ones tagging people. Honestly, it's always older people. Um, Just don't do that. Just don't do that. You can be critical. No problem with that. You still need to tag players. It's not necessary. 
And at some point, even if you're not tagging them, like, do you need to tweet, you know, 18 negative things about somebody in one night? Is that really productive? Does that make you feel better? Does that make the team do better? No, no. So is it necessary? Probably not. But that's social media, and I'm going off on a side tangent here. Uh, the point being of all this is that it's it's encouraging that the teammates and coaches are backing him. But we're just going to have to see what he does on the field. And ultimately, until we get that opportunity, it's going to just kind of be like, well, hopefully it goes well because they've got good receivers. The offensive line should be great. I'm positively encouraged or I don't know, hopeful, whatever, for the running back situation. I think getting Vivens more involved is going to be big. I think they're going to work Tanner Hollins and some of these other guys into the mix behind McElroy as well. Obviously, the defensive line should be great. Really, you know, confident in the linebackers. The quarterback in the in the secondary, I think that's the two biggest question marks for CSU football. And uh, I'm, I'm encouraged, but we got to wait and see. That's really that's really all we can do. All right. Uh, I think I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but I did want to play some more audio from Trey McBride kind of talking about Gary Williams, how he's been able to assert himself more into the mix this year. And then I'm also going to play some audio from Scott Patchen. So we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up and then we will wrap it up briefly just with some uniform talk uh, layout. CSU's plan, just my, you know, brief thoughts on wearing certain uniforms versus certain teams, all that fun stuff. But uh, yeah, here's that audio from Trey McBride. Trey, both uh, both John and Steve mentioned Gary Williams as somebody that stood out. Yeah. You know, what has he done this spring that's, you know, been able to make a positive impression? You know, Gary, Gary's a terrific player. He's a guy who came in with me. He's a guy who's just been learning. He's kind of a guy, you know, he, he never really understood the plays as well as he, I mean, he can play. There's no doubt about that. He can play, but he always kind of struggled with the mental part of the game. And, and this, this spring, you know, we've really been working with, with making sure he knows what he's doing. And, and so he can go out there and play fast because ultimately, you know, we want to play with a lot of tight ends on the field. That's something Coach Adazio wants to do. And uh, with Gary, I mean, he, he's making plays left and right. Um, he's just he's a he's a good player. There's no doubt about it. He can play. And, and you know, once he learns what he's doing and, and that's what he did. You know, he, he can play fast and go out there. And he, I mean, he's a physical, tough dude, catches everything. So he's, a, I'm a, I mean, you know, I'm excited. And then with Cam Butler coming back, I mean, the tight end room's looking really strong. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. And, you know, I'm just, I'm thrilled because all three of those guys in Palendi, you know, all those guys can play. And I'm just, you know, we have four or five tight ends right now that can play, you know, 30, 40, 50 snaps a game right now. So I'm excited about it. You know, the tight end room's really strong and that's kind of, core I mean that's a, like we want to lead the team as a you know as a tight end group because ultimately we're going to be on the field a lot so having as many guys as we can that can do and play as much as we want that's exactly what we need it upon yourself individually to help all these guys grow and to you know be the the you know set the standard I suppose for for the rest of the room yeah you know a lot of times um you know they won't they won't let me do as much as I want to do in practice so that's kind of my opportunity to watch these guys and you know everything that they they do in practice that's where I get to watch you know Gary that's where I get to watch Kyle Helbig I get to watch Dylan Walker I get to watch these guys practice and you know help them correct them on on the little things that they're not doing right or they're not getting lined up fast enough they don't know the signals you know that's that's the part where I come in you know so coach Booth doesn't have to be the guy that is always nagging at them, yelling at them. You know, they can hear it from somebody else. And, and you know, that's kind of my role is I take it upon me as, you know, me being the guy in the room. You know, I got to make sure all the guys know what they're doing so we can play as fast and as much as we'd like. So, you know, that's kind of something I've been, you know, working on and, and trying to get these guys ready to go so they can play, you know, when, when the time comes. 
68 teams started the tournament. Only the best have survived. We've got Gonzaga, we've got Baylor, we've got Houston, we've got UCLA. This is April, I guess. It's not March anymore. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Turn $1 into $100. I mean, talk about easy money. All you gotta do, pick one college basketball team that's in the hunt, and you have your shot to make it rain. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. And don't worry, you know, if college basketball, it's not for you. DraftKings Sportsbook, they have daily odds boosts on pro basketball, hockey, golf, baseball, UFC, you name it. You watch it. You can bet on it. It is the best. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNBR when you sign up for your chance to turn $1 into $100. If the basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win again, use the code DNVR when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook for a limited time only. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, before I acknowledge some of our other partners, I want to give you guys my DraftKings pick of the week. And this week I am rocking with Baylor to cover their five-point spread against Houston. Look guys, Houston, they've been a great team. It's been a great season. I love their backcourt. I love what they've been able to accomplish offensively. I just don't think they have the firepower to keep up with this potent Baylor offense, especially with the way they've been firing on all cylinders. I'm hoping for a good game. I don't really expect it to be. I'm kind of expecting a pair of blowouts if we're being completely honest. But that 14 and a half point spread in the Gonzaga UCLA game just feels a little steep to me. I think Gonzaga is a 30 point better team than UCLA. You know, if we're putting our cards on the table here, that's just a lot of money, you know, or that's a lot of points to put your money on at this point of the season. I mean, UCLA every week I keep saying they're going to, you know, the Cinderella streak is going to end every week. They keep proving me wrong. But again, I'm going with Baylor, covering that five-point spread. Get that at minus 112 odds. Pretty decent value for your buck. That is my DraftKings pick of the week. Lock it in. I also want to shout out the homies over at Breckenridge Brewery. Guys, the farmhouse is opened. It's socially distanced. It's a beautiful setup for outdoor dining. It's supposed to be a gorgeous weekend out. Colorado sunshine, about 80 degrees. Doesn't get any better than this. Go over there, have a beer get some sun, get some tan. If you're like me, you're probably looking awfully pale after the last year. Sitting out in the sunshine with a beer with a couple of friends, nothing sounds better. If you're still more comfortable at home, that's okay. You can order curbside pickup from 12 to 8 p.m. If you call and use the code DNVR, you can save $5 on your order. You can also get beer delivered via the Drizzly app or head to the nearest grocery store like King Supers, Costco, Safeway, Walmart, you name it, they have Breck beers. Just hop on the Breck Beer Locator. It'll tell, the tell you the closest liquor store near you with those delicious options. Shout out to Breckenridge. Go check out the farmhouse. Check out the Breck Brew Locator. It takes all the inconvenience out of beer shopping. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, let's move on and briefly just talk about the promos for CSU football this season. We've got the dates for each game, as well as what uniforms they're going to be wearing, at least for the home ones. We don't know the road uniforms yet. Uh, starting September 4th, South Dakota State is in town. We're going green out. 
imagine that'll be an all green day. Uh, solid. I mean, it seems a little hot to be rocking the all green. I would have maybe gone with the gold pants there, but hey, it'll it'll be a classic look. Should be a good day. Uh, should be the first game with fans back in the stands. Man, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, one week later, we've got Vanderbilt coming to town on September 11th. That's going to be the orange out. Bold. Going ag day for an SEC opponent. You got to win. You cannot lose in the ag day uniforms of all of the things that happened in the Mike Bobo era. Blowing the orange out ag day winning streak is up there with things that will haunt me. I mean, it just makes me cringe. That was such a great streak. They, uh, to blow it the way they did too. Anyways, I like that they're going bold. You know, fortune favors the bold. October 9th, we've got San Jose State coming to town for homecoming. The Rams going to be rocking never before seen uniforms. There were rumors that CSU was supposed to get a new uniform this past fall. Uh, they obviously have one left on their Under Armour uniform contract. That did not end up happening. Uh, probably, you know, with the short schedule and no fans in the stands, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to blow what should be a great marketing opportunity. And that should be another really fun game. It's another situation where it's going to be kind of bold. I mean, I, I do expect San Jose State to come back down to earth a little bit, but they return quite a bit of talent. So that's going to be a really fun game. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. Um, as with Nevada, that's not until November 27th. And we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Boise State coming to town on October 30th. Tackle cancer game. Doesn't have the uniform listed. Um, I imagine that'll be a traditional day. We will have to see. November 13th, we've got State Pride. Rocking State Pride against Air Force. Uh, people are going to complain because of the blue. But pulling up the schedule here, look at all the teams you've got coming. San Jose State, they wear blue. Boise State, they wear blue. Nevada, they wear blue. So your options are wear it against South Dakota State, a game that, let's be honest, you know, not that enticing. Although it'd be good to get a win in the uniforms. Or Vanderbilt. And again, you know, they're wearing the orange out. So not a lot of options if you're if you're going to, you know, complain about the blue on blue. It is what it is. I think it should be fun. It's just a, another situation where you got to win. If you're wearing the swag, if you're looking cool, you got to pull off the win. Otherwise, it's deflating. Finally, last home game of the season, we've got November 27th against Nevada Senior Day, Education Day. And I imagine that will either be a traditional or white bone game, as will, you know, all the other ones that aren't listed it is interesting to see how much the white helmet has become a part of the regular uniform rotation over the last couple of years. It, it's really interesting to me because when I talk to, you know, passionate longtime Colorado State fans, they love the green and gold. And, and these, this is the older crowd that I'm talking about. They love Ag Day. They love that they do that once a year. Not so big on the white helmet. But then when I talk to the younger crowd, you know, people that graduated in the last 10 years or so, they're all about the white uniform, about that icy white the bone helmet, they think it pops. I'm somewhere in between. I, I love the green and gold helmet, guys. I think it's really, really slept on, especially in this age where there's just a lot of helmet changes. I'm I'm kind of a a traditionalist in that sense. I think I think it's good to have options, especially when you're a program like CSU, because you can't bank on, you know, the proud winning tradition that Alabama has or that Oklahoma has or that Texas has, any of these schools that just stick with their basic look through and through. So I think it's important to have options, but I also think it's important to kind of keep a strong identity and and remember who you are and, and your colors and, and all of that matters. That's a big part of the pageantry, the aesthetic of college athletics. It's 
you know, representing your school. It's feeling pride. It's repping that green and gold. And that shit matters to me. Like it, it always has and it always will. And because of that, I'm not quite as big on the white bone helmet. I think it's cool that they rock it. I think we're rocking it a little too much the last couple of years. But maybe I'm just getting old and crotchety. And that's that's always a possibility, guys. That's definitely always a possibility. Um, I just wanted to briefly go over this. Obviously, we have plenty of time to start focusing on the fall season. But they were announced, so I figured it'd be a fun thing to kind of just talk about briefly, go over. Everybody loves uniforms. Everybody's excited for a football season. Um, just briefly, um, I'd like to thank everybody on Twitter for their kind responses. Um, if you weren't following along, unfortunately, my grandmother had a stroke this week. She's in the hospital. Uh, she's a strong person. She'll be able to fight through. But I did really uh, appreciate all of the kind responses from CSU fans. Uh, you guys always have my back and I will always have yours. We will be back with more content. Um, I'm recording a draft pod on Saturday with Dre, with Hank. Should be great. We're talking all kinds of stuff as we always do. Um, that's it. I'm going to leave you with some post audio from Scott Patchen. And uh, yeah, peace. Who are some of the younger guys on the defensive side that have made a positive impression on you this spring, whether it you know be with their work ethic or just you know standing out on the field? Um, hmm. Well, like I just mentioned, uh, Sion and, and McKendy for sure. I think those two guys really catch my eye because I'm with them a lot of the time. Um, Ken, because, you know, it's funny watching him. He, he doesn't know a hundred percent what he's supposed to be doing all the time, but I got to tell you that guy, he, he will run around. He, he's got a motor and I love that about him, you know, because he's, you know, He's never on the brakes. He's all gas wherever he's going. And I love that too, because, you know, you see with everything we do at individual, he's always trying to push it a little bit and, and go faster than he probably should be. If we're on a slow tempo, little walkthrough drill, but it's, it's funny because, you know, he just wants to go and he wants to learn. And you can tell, like I just, you know, touched on before that there's the want to, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. You know, I think that was kind of a, an issue probably in, in the fall, you know, that I personally saw, but you know, I think we've gotten away from that. And I think we see a lot more guys want to take that next step in being, you know, a great football player. And I think, you know, bringing in young guys with that same mentality is obviously going to continue to help push the culture and grow the program. You know, we've heard a lot about the growth from the offensive line. Have you noticed a, a group that's challenging the defensive line more this spring than maybe they were in around, you know, August or so? Absolutely. I mean, they, their position coaches. Steve Adazio and Louis Adazio. I think, you know, if anybody can make a great offensive lineman, I think if you've got the last name of an Adazio, I, I think you're definitely <laughs> going to be well coached. And, and I think absolutely, I think you see a lot of those guys, you know, similar, you know, taking the coaching and, and being able to put it together. And then, you know, I think take it and consistently grow with it each rep and turn reps into racks and, you know, turn racks into an entire day. And then you stack days from there. And then that's how you become a great football player. And I think, you know, all across the program, not just individually the defensive line, but we see a lot of, you know, guys, again, taking the coaching and, and doing so. And, you know, I love to sit there. It's awesome because we'll do one-on-ones and I get to sit there and pick up, you know, what the little coaching point is, punch here, you know, you're reaching with your hand or something, something a little like small that, you know, you shouldn't be doing or you should be doing. And then, you know, for me, how I can turn around and exploit that as a defensive lineman. I love, I love listening to those two talk. So anytime, you know, we're in one-on-one situations and I'm not going, I am trying to pay attention to them and pick up whatever I can from them because I feel like that's going to make me a better player at the same time. It'll be fine, though. We'll just go on the second beat, you know? That's how you make music. 
I only seem to write when the words they don't come to me I'm staring at this page and I swear it stares back at me Read between the lines, see the blank and all the happenings It's been 35 and I ain't even wrote like half a thing Rhymes that make sense but more lines that didn't I was walking with my headphones heavy bumping pivot Simplistic white pages, they dreaming we were famous They say they like the cadence, mark the summers like cicadas my mood rings an alligator Spit like Vader with the saber Steady kicking it like Prater Staring at white paper It's habitual behavior Check the flavor That's some sage advice But confidence a great disguise And certain lines are idolized Like yeah I'm fine And I don't mind It's out of sight It's out of mind And I've been dwelling on my past Just to see what I can find Lost and found memories Of places I designed And my imagination's different now But I swear that I